you guys ever have those moments in life where it seems like you got a message coming at you from one direction and a message coming at you from another direction and then from another direction. And it feels like they all, God kind of works them all together to say something to you in your life. And, and, uh, I feel that that's what's been happening with me, um, for the last couple of weeks. Um, we use this, um, planning software, um, online that we, uh, kind of help, helps us plan out our services and a lot of other things around here at church. And, and we usually have, or at least I do have, have the messages planned out probably a couple months in advance normally. Um, and so for this week, if you were to have looked on that software, it said uh, that our topic today was guest speaker. And, and so um, I had planned on uh, bringing in a guest, guest speaker this morning and just, I don't know what I did. I just didn't do it. And, and so, <laughs> so I'm the guest speaker. And um, yeah. Yeah. The cool thing is uh, guest speakers get an honorarium, so I get a little extra cash this week. So no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> so no, I'm just teasing. So um, no, it, I, you know, I, I've had that moment where um, some stuff I was reading was saying something to me. A workshop that Phil and I went to earlier in the week was saying something to me. Uh, Phil's message actually last week was speaking to me, and it just kind of seemed to all... Uh, combine into the message I want to deliver today um, in, in terms of this concept of work. Like uh, Phil said earlier, if you were here last week, we, we uh, did his ordination and kind of commissioned him to, uh, for the, the pastoral work, and that was a great service, and, and, uh, and I loved the message that he brought to us last week. And just in terms of you know thinking through that, I've always been I think I mentioned this last week, actually. I've always been a little uncomfortable with that whole, you know, how do we, if we all play an equal equal role in God's kingdom, how do we make sense of that um, that concept of ordination or setting apart, you know, that sort of thing, and, and what's that look like for, you know, all the rest of us. And, and, um, and so what I want to do today is kind of present to you a, a theology of work. Uh, what work means to God and how, uh, you know, I made the comment last week that, uh, that there are no part-time followers of Jesus Christ. We're all full-time followers of Jesus Christ. And so if you're a part-time Christian, uh, you're, you're no Christian at all, right? I mean, we, we do this with our lives and we give our lives to God. We don't give our weekend to God, right? And so there are no, there are no weekend warriors in God's kingdom. And, and so what, so with that in mind, what, what does the Bible have to say about uh, our work? Um, so, so this is what I, like, I've had a ton of jobs in my life, a ton of jobs. I, I remember my very first job, I was uh, like 14 years old, and I was helping some farmer, you know, just bucking hay bales for like a dime a bale. And, uh, you know, just getting my arms all scratched up and itchy and everything. And, and I remember the very next summer, I worked with a guy who uh, was a recycler back before recycling was cool. And, um, and so he, I would get, I would get in a truck with him and we would go around to different like auto shops and places like that and pick up old batteries that they had laying around and he would load them up and we'd load them up in a trailer and, and then he'd take them and get them recycled. And so I had to wear these coveralls and when you're dealing with old batteries, they leak. And so I would just be covered in battery acid and it would literally just eat through these coveralls. I'd go through a pair of new pair of coveralls like every single week. Because uh, they were at, by the by Friday they were like rags just hanging off of me and everything and so I'm sure 
I'll develop a, a pretty little tumor for that someday. And, uh, and so anyway, and then my first like kind of legit, uh, job, you know, that I, where I got taxes taken out of a check and all that kind of stuff was I was, uh, washing dishes at Pizza Hut, uh, before they had the big dishwasher. I was the big dishwasher. And, uh, and so, and then, and then I've done various other fast food jobs and retail jobs. I worked for Target. I worked for Home Depot and, um, I've sold life insurance for a while. I sold cell phones for a while. I was, I managed a telemarketing branch and bugged you all during your dinner time. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I've done a lot of different, you know, types of jobs and, and of course various, uh, ministry jobs as well. And so, um, you know, what I know about work is like, I've had, and I've told you this before, I've had a job in my past that I hated so much that I, would literally throw up on the way to work every single morning. I mean, just on the, every single morning on the way to work, I just I couldn't hold it down. And uh, but but I love my breakfast, so I wasn't going to stop eating either. So uh, <laughs> no, but anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I just I've been in that miserable place. I know maybe some of you are in that place right now where you're like. You know, you, you've got this thing you're doing to kind of pay the bills and make the ends meet, but it's not a job that you're crazy about. And uh, and maybe when you hear other people talk about a sense of of um, you know purpose and calling and vocation in their life, this is what, we all have jobs, uh, but a lot of us wish we had a vocation. A lot of us wish you had that kind of dream job, that one you know, a, where you can make money doing the thing that you're passionate about. Right. And, um, and so some of you have that and some of you, some of you don't, and some of you are okay with that. And some of you are maybe a little bit miserable in that. And so how do you make sense of that? So what I want to do first is kind of define that word. Um, you know, vocation is not necessarily a word that we use every single day. And maybe some of you are fuzzy around what it means. And so I just pulled this straight off of Google uh, and, and so it says this, the definition of vocation is this, a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. And I love the synonyms on that bottom line. The synonyms for the word vocation are a calling, a life's work, a mission, a purpose, or your, your function in life. It's, it's, it's that, that kind of higher calling, that thing that you just like, you're firing on all cylinders when you're doing that thing. And, and it just gives you a sense of purpose. And so I don't know how many of you feel like you have that in your career, like you're able to make money doing that thing that you just feel like you were designed to do. Um, and, and, and maybe you're that person, like it's in your, it's in your future, you're heading towards it. Maybe you haven't figured out what it is yet. And, and, uh, that's frustrating to you. I, I don't know what that looks like, but what I want to do today is kind of give us a sense of what our vocation is as followers of Jesus Christ. Because I think what, what, we're, what we'll see is that uh, no matter what your job is, no matter how you make your money, um, that your vocation uh, is something that, that you can have a sense of vocation in whatever it is that you do. So God has given us all, every one of us, different jobs, but he gave us all the same vocation. Our vocation is the same. Our jobs look different. How you make your money might look different than the person seated next to you. But our vocation is the same. So what is our vocation as followers of Jesus Christ? So to find that information out, we kind of go, got to go way back to the beginning. Uh, literally page one of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, where we, we read the story of, you know, 
God's creative work in the universe. And when he gets to the end of that creative work, he creates all of us humans. <laughs> Sorry. Just some, somebody brought me a, a, a smoothie earlier. Mm. It's just as good the second time. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so we go way back to the beginning and when God does his creative work in creating all of us humans, um, we find out what our vocation is right in this passage. What is our calling as, as, as human beings, what it is. And so it's in Genesis chapter one, starting with verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. And he goes on to say dominion over the, over the oceans and over the land and over all the creatures and everything else, you know, all, all, everything that he's created basically. So, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Subdue it and have dominion. So your calling in life, your vocation in life, your created purpose in life is that you are to be an image bearer of God most high. You're to be an image bearer of him. And now to be an image bearer means, that does not mean that, you know, when, when it says that we are creating God's image, it doesn't mean that you have features that resemble like everybody, when, when I've got four kids and when all of our babies were born, they're always say, oh, that baby looks just like Jeff. And um, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that all babies kind of look like, like me because I just have this kind of fat baby head, right? So, um, but yeah, so it, it's not that it's that you physically resemble God, despite what some of you think about yourself. It's not, it's not that you physically resemble God. Your, your role as an image bearer of God is to point people to God and reflect God back to people. It's kind of a, kind of like a mirror, an angled mirror. We are to reflect God to the world and point people to him. And so that's our role as image bearer. Um, and then it also means something that now we, whenever we look at this passage, we, most of us, we've heard this preached around here enough that we, we kind of get that concept that we're to be image bearers of God. But there's something here that you, if you're like me, you tend to kind of gloss over another part of your vocation, your created purpose here in this passage is it says, it says it twice and let them first, you know, they're at the beginning and let them have dominion. And then at the end there, uh, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So here's, here's maybe the part of your vocation that might make some of you uncomfortable. That one of the major reasons you were created, your vocation in this life that God has given you, is not only to help point people to him, but to help God rule over this world. That's one of the major reasons you were created to help God rule over this world. Now, I don't know about you. I find that to be good news because I've got some ideas. You know what I'm saying? I've got some ideas for around here about how things could go a whole lot better. Now, what does that look like for us to be that image bearer? And you know, what, are the, what are the implications of that? We'll talk about that in just a second. But that's page one of the Bible. You know, all this question about, you know, 
trying to answer the big questions of the universe. Why am I here? And the Bible answers it right out of the gate, page one. That's why you're here, to reflect God to everybody, to help him rule over all of creation. That's your purpose. Now, this is also followed up in the New Testament as well uh, by a guy named Peter. Uh, Peter was uh, one of Jesus' disciples, kind of his, his, uh, his main disciple, <laughs> his, his, you know, the, the guy that was kind of the leader of the disciples. And uh, he writes a letter to a church that we call First Peter. And in First Peter chapter 2, Peter says this. He reminds uh, his, his uh, readers, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, Peter gives us this little two-word phrase that basically says the exact same thing that we just read Back in Genesis chapter 1, he calls us a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Priesthood meaning like what's the role of the priest? The priest is intended to be the kind of go-between between man and God. And he says if you're following Jesus Christ, you don't need a priest anymore. You are the priesthood. You, can, you are the one who, would, who will point people to God and reflect God back to people. That is your role. He, he's, he's using different words to say the same thing that Genesis 1 says, but not just a priesthood. You're a what kind of priesthood? A royal priesthood. And what's it mean to be royal? It means you're going to rule. You're going to rule. You're going you're to be co-rulers with God in this universe. Now, it's really easy, as, easy for us, kind of, if you're like me, to say, you know, somebody asks who's the ruler of this universe, it's really easy to go, it's, it's God, right? God's, but but the, the correct answer to that is me and God. The correct answer to that is, 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 is God and me. That, that we were created to rule this universe with him, to kind of co-rule with him. He's, he's definitely the CEO of the universe. Don't get me wrong. But he has brought you up almost in the same way that kings would... Uh, um, appoint, a say, vice regents over portions of their territory to kind of co-rule with them. And he's done that with us. He's done that with us. A royal, a royal priesthood. Now, what I want you to get, first of all, this first point is this, is that um, God's purpose or his calling, his vocation for you is for you as a human to be his image bearer a royal priesthood, a royal priest. And so the concept is this. It's not that, like that, that job description sounds pretty good, right? Like all of us can kind of look at that and go, okay, that, I, that sounds like something. The problem is we all know that we're not very good at it. Like sin has gotten in our way and we're just, we're just not very good at it. But if we were, if we were to live up to our calling, if we were to live up to our created potential, what would that be? What would it look for us to actually live fully human the way God created us to be human? Now, I mean, we tend to use that word human to emphasize our weaknesses. Well, I'm only human, right? And God's looking back at us going, yeah, you are human, you are human. You, I created you to be so much more as humans than you're currently being. There's so much more you're capable of. There's so much more you're capable of. 
And so through Jesus, this is why I love the fact that Peter reemphasizes this in the New Testament, because Peter is not only looking back to Genesis chapter 1 and, and, and kind of saying this in a different way, he's now seeing it in the light of the work and the life of Jesus Christ. And he's going, whereas we failed in that vocation in the beginning and we failed to live up to that created potential in the beginning, through Jesus Christ, we can be what God has called us to be. We can be what God has called us to be. And so I, I've been having this thought uh, for, a lot, for a long time, just thinking about Jesus. When we look at the, look at the life of Jesus, it's really easy for us to go, I mean, look at all the things that he did, and the, I mean, the wise things that he taught, the miracles he performed. And, and we tend to look at that and go, well, of course he could do all that and say all that and be all that because, because he's God, right? But one of the teachings of Scripture is that he was fully God and fully man, fully God and fully human at the same time. What if, just to entertain this idea for a second, what if the reason Jesus was able to do everything that he was able to do was not so much that he was fully God, but that he was living fully human, the first person to ever actually do it? What if that potential is actually in each and every single one of us if we would live up to our vocation, our calling that God has placed on our lives and be the image bearers of God, the co-rulers of this universe with God? What if that's all within us? Just none of us has ever been able to live it the way he lived it. I like that idea. Like, I really like that idea. Now, this vocation, again, it sounds great, but... It's too hard for us because sin got in the way. Because sin got in the way. There's a verse that we, whenever we talk about sin, there's a verse we, we often quote, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Many of you probably haven't memorized a short little verse, and it just says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is a part, if, you, if you've been in church land very long, you know, we, we, we've got this thing we call the Romans road to salvation. It's four or five verses in, in the book of Romans that you can use to kind of help guide someone from a place of unbelief to belief and following Jesus Christ and that sort of thing. And so we've kind of pulled this verse uh, out of, uh, you know, its setting and we use it in that little formula at times. And I think in doing that, we have actually made this verse mean something slightly different than what it was meant to mean. Like for, us, for us, when we look at that verse, and when you've heard that verse taught, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, we use that as evidence to say every single one of us are sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. And God is so holy and perfect, and we are not. And so we are in need of a Savior. We're in need of salvation because... We cannot be as holy as God. All of us have sinned and we fall short of that glory of God. Like, like you know, he's so amazing and perfect and holy. We, we can't be that. So we need a savior. And so that's kind of the way that verse is described and explained. But I think that Paul actually meant more to, you know, the problem with pulling verses out like that is that there's all these other words around them, right? And so if you really get back to the point like read Romans as a whole and look at what Paul was trying to say in this book, I think he's actually saying something slightly different. So let me break it down for you for just, just real quickly. So for all of sin, that word that we translate as sin, the Greek word is a word called hamartia. Everybody say hamartia. Hamartia, that's the word that we call sin. And, and uh, what that word means, it literally means missing the mark. It's kind of an archery term. 
Like if, if, if you've if you got a target ahead of you, you that you're aiming for and you, you go wide, you miss that target, you've missed the mark. That's the literal meaning of hamartia, the word that we call sin. You have missed the mark. God has set a mark ahead of you to hit and you have gone wide. You've hit it. I mean, you, you've missed it, right? That's hamartia. That's what sin literally means. We tend to think about sin in terms of there's this big list of rules. And if you break one of those rules, then you've sinned. Like break, in fact, a lot of times that's the way we kind of simply describe it to our kids. If your kids ask what sin is or you're trying to describe to your kids what sin is, well, it's breaking one of God's rules. And it's, sin is so much more than just breaking a rule. In fact, if your concept of sin is all about whether or not you're breaking the rules or keeping the rules, that sets you up for such a twisted faith that just, you're going to have to dig your way out of down the line. Because it's not just about breaking the rules. You have missed the mark. Now, what's the mark that you've missed? That's where the next part of this, we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark and we fall short of the glory of God. Now, like I said, we tend to think of that in terms of God is holy and perfect and we are not. So there's a bit, you know, we can't save ourselves or whatever. And we tend to think about the glory of God in terms of God. I think Paul actually means, is, is speaking something more about us than he is speaking about God. I think he is talking about the glory of God that God has placed in us, that we are to be that image bearers to the rest of the world. He's like, your whole calling in life was to show people God's glory in you, in the way that you live your life and point them to God. And you have missed the mark. You have missed the mark. People don't see God in you, they see something much different. We miss the mark. We fall short of displaying God's glory in us. So this, sin isn't just simply breaking the rules. Sin is actually a failure of vocation. Sin is a failure of vocation that you did not live up to your calling, your purpose in life. Rather than uh, pointing people to God, you pointed people to yourself or to something different. Rather than being a co-ruler with God, you, you did something different with your life. Sin isn't bad because you broke a rule. Sin is bad because you willfully hand over the power that God gave you to lesser gods. That God has given you all this power to co-rule the universe with him and you just willy-nilly give it away. That's why sin is bad. It's bad because God has given us this world that he wants us to transform into his kingdom every aspect of it. The created world, the, um, uh, um, our, our possessions and our wealth and our sexuality and everything that there is to enjoy in this world to God's glory. We take those things that we were created to rule over and we allow those things to rule over us. It's a failure of vocation. It's a failure of your purpose and your calling in this world. What, what, what would this world look like though if we took that power back and began to live our lives in the calling in which we were created to live. What would that look like? This has like implications for every area of your life. Every area of your life. 
It changes the way that you do everything if you begin to see your supreme purpose and calling in this world to be an image bearer of God and a co-ruler with him of this universe. It changes, every, it changes if you're a parent, it changes the way you parent. You're not just parenting to help your, try to get your kids to you know, maintain control of them and, and, and teach them a list of rules that they need to keep. Any, any of you parents get sick of trying to keep up with all the rules you're supposed to teach your kids? It's exhausting. And guess what? If it's exhausting for you, it's especially exhausting for them. Especially, what if, what if instead of just parenting according to a big list of rules, what if your whole purpose in parenting was to help your child realize their supreme calling under Jesus Christ and that their role in this world was to bear God's image and co-rule with him and the implications that has for their behavior now and the implications that has for the future that they're deciding on. That's some parenting I can get get excited about, right? It has implications for the way that you uh, interact with your neighbors, for the way that you students do school, and and, and it has implications for everything that you do. And it especially, I think, has implications for your work. Like I said, not all of us in this room feel like, in terms of your job, the way you're making your money, that you're necessarily living up, living up to your full potential. And maybe you're a little bit miserable in your work. But this is what you need to realize is that when you embrace your vocation as an image bearer of God most high, as a co-ruler with him in his kingdom and his universe, then all work is vocational ministry if it's done to God's glory. All work is vocational ministry if it's done to God's glory. You think you just got a cruddy job. What you got is a mission field. You got a mission field. You think that you're just in this dead-end place that you can't get out of, and you're actually in a place where God is waiting to lift you up. All work is vocational, called, purposeful ministry if it's done to God's glory. When we go to work, whether you love your job or hate your job or you're somewhere in between, when you go to work, your purpose there is to show all those coworkers what it looks like when Jesus shows up to work. And it's not just in terms of, like it's not just mission, it's not just purpose in terms of, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to try to get people to believe in Jesus. I think that's part of it, but I don't think it's the whole deal. It's also in the way that you do your work. Are you working for the bare minimum or are you working excellently into God's glory? Do you see your work as boring and meaningless or do you realize the value that in your work you're actually adding to other people's lives? Do you see more that's there than, than, than what your bad attitude is constantly, constantly causing, you know, pointing out to you? Begin to see this place that God has you in in this season in your life as your mission field. We have this idea oftentimes that that mission and vocation is something that's reserved for, you know, pastors and missionaries and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we'll lump doctors in there or, you know, whatever. People that seem to have some sort of higher calling or whatever else. And in God's economy of things, the highest calling in your life is the way he created you to be human, regardless of how you make your money, 
regardless of how you make your money. Guess what? I've seen pastors fail in their vocation. I've seen missionaries fail in their vocation. It has nothing to do with the job that you're in. It has to do with the Savior that you serve. Are you serving Jesus in the context that you're in? Are you living on mission for him in the context that you're in? Because you can have just as valid, just as equal, just as powerful a sense of mission and vocation and calling and purpose on your life, whether you work in a church, whether you work at a hospital, whether you work uh, in, in the field somewhere, whether you're a plumber or an electrician, whether you are a teacher or you do hair or you whatever uh, hundred thousand other things in life that you could possibly do to make a little bit of money, you can have the same sense of calling in that work because ultimately it's not about the work, it's about your attitude towards the work. So what I want to do this morning is I want to challenge you to Look at your work in a different way. Look at your education in a different way. And begin to see yourself as placed on mission in the place where you are right now. I went to, um, you know, I did my education at a, a Bible college. And um, there would be students there that were training for the mission field. You know, they were getting their degree in missions or whatever. And, uh, and, I, and I remember some of these students, not all of them, but some of these students would be just so, so gung-ho about uh, eventually, you know, I can't wait to get through, get my degree and get through this and get out on the mission field. And they were so excited to get out on the mission field and they wouldn't share the gospel with the person living right next door to them now. It's a failure in vocation. It's a failure in vocation. This is what I know about God. God honors those that honor him a lot of times. God honors those that honor him. You want to see yourself rise to, a, uh, uh, to be able to make your money doing something that is a little bit more fulfilling to you, that you just feel like you're firing on all cylinders when you get to do that thing? Be faithful to him in the context that he's placed you right now. Be faithful to him right now. We're not always going to have our dream jobs. Sometimes you're going to have that job that causes a little regurgitation. But for right now, you know what I'll do? I'll do this job to the glory of God. I'll do it to the glory of God. And when you approach everything in your life that way, then you can't help but have a sense of mission where you are. Show people what it looks like when Jesus shows up to work. Show people what it looks like when Jesus shows up to school. Show people that there's something more than the status quo about your life that you are not just some Yahoo looking to get a paycheck, looking to get a degree. You are a child of God, an image bearer of the Most High King, a co-ruler with God in this universe. That's your vocation. So last week we did a... um, in Phil's ordination, you know, they they did it with me when I was ordained as a younger man as well, and... and, um, where we called him up and we laid hands on him and we prayed over him to commission him for the mission that God was calling to him. And this week I want to do this for all of you as well. Because your, your mission is no less significant than any pastor or any missionary or any, any whoever where else. In God's economy, our role is to be truly human the way God has created us to be human. And that means bearing his image and co-ruling with him.
And so I want to ordain all of you this morning to go back to your place Monday morning and knock it out of the park and just show up and show people what it looks like when Jesus shows up to work. Let's, let's do that. So we don't do this. If you're new to church, we don't do this every Sunday. Uh, you know, we try to make this as, as least, you know, as, as least painful experience as possible for you if you're new. But I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little bit outside of your comfort zone. I just want you to stand up. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you in a very non-threatening way. All right? Just put your, put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And, and, and as we pray, I just want you to pray over th- those people that, that, that you've got your hands on and just, and just ask God to give them the power to go out into their place of work or into their school in his power. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you've got your dream job or if you've got less than your dream job. It doesn't matter if you're employed or unemployed. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, going out to, to an office every day or you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad every day. What you do to the glory of God is your vocation. And so begin to do it with on, on mission to the glory of God. Pray for those people around you. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much. And God, forgive us. Forgive us when we um, live under the created potential that you created us with. Forgive us when we view our lives as ordinary or less than. Forgive us when we see other callings, other jobs as somehow more significant than our own. Instead, God, just... Help us to be faithful to you in whatever context we find ourselves in right now. And so, God, for everybody across this room, God, we want to send them out on mission to their place of employment, to their homes, to their schools. God, would you just give them the ability to live out their calling and to show people you, to help point people to, to you. And God, teach us what it means to be co-rulers with you in this world that you've created. We know that doesn't mean that you've put us in a, in a place to just exploit things to our own selfish gain, but instead it means you have given us the task to help transform this place into something that looks like your kingdom. And so God, help us to go out in that, under that authority and in that power. We love you. We love you. I thank you so much for the work that everyone does in this room, whether they're a student or whatever other career or job or whatever it is that they're doing right now. God, I pray that you would bless that work. And that if there's anybody here right now that's really struggling with their place of employment right now, or really struggling with their education right now, God, that you would give them a change of heart, a change of attitude. God, I pray that you would give everybody in this room the desires of their heart in terms of, of, um, meaningful employment and that sort of thing. But God, for whatever reason you have us in these places that we're in right now, you have us there right now. And so God help us to live on mission in those places. Help us to be faithful in those places. Glorify you in everything that we do. We love you. And we pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. All right, everybody. Go, knock it out of the park. You're on mission. You've been sent.